Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, before we do get started, uh, I do want to thank everyone who supported our listener support campaign. Thanks so much for your support. Uh, among those I especially want to thank today are Aaron and Eileen and Frank. Uh, thanks so much for your support. We'll send access to our premium site. And also on all donations of $20 or more, uh, we'll also send a special thank you gift, uh, plus a free digital copy of All I Needed to Know I Learned from Colombo. Among those that are uh, available at the $20 level, we'll send you either Volumes 1, 2, 3, or 4 of Colonial Radio Theater's Father Brown Collections. Uh, great uh, performances uh, written by M.J. Elliott, starring J.T. Turner. Just very well done adaptations that bring out the real life in these uh, Father Brown stories. And at the $100 level, if you live in the U.S. or Canada, I'll be happy to send you an autographed copy of my book, All uh, Tales of the Dim Night, Fly Another Day, or Powerhouse Hard Press. And uh, also, I should mention that the $50 level, if you live in the U.S. or Canada, I'll be happy to send you two original Michael Shane uh, paperback books uh, in very readable condition. Go to support.greatdetectives.net to support the show and either let us know at the time of donation or just drop us an email after donating uh, as to what you would like. All right. Well, uh, now it's time to talk about today's show. Uh, this one's called Murder and Mr. Malone. It's based on the John J. Uh, Malone books written by Craig Rice, who was known at, who is, that's actually the pseudonym for Georgian. Uh, Georgiana and Rudolph Craig. And, uh, she wrote a, uh, she wrote a total of 14 of these books, 12 of which were published during her lifetime. Uh, in, uh, in some ways, these kind of walk the line between, uh, the books walk the line between, uh, uh, screwball comedy and, uh, hard boiled, uh, action. John J. Malone in the books, uh, is a, is a character, a lawyer, just determined to win, uh, whatever the cost. He solves mysteries, but it's not particularly, uh, concerned about justice, more about getting whatever client he has at the moment off. Um, the Malone, uh, movies were, and books were surprisingly popular. There were a couple of movies written, and these were not, um, uh, these are not, were not minor works. Um, the, the two uh, John Malo uh, John J. Malone films during the 1940s, having uh, Wonderful Crime and The Lucky Stiff, uh, starred uh, uh, Pat O'Brien in one and Brian Donnelly in the other as Malone. 
In addition to that, there was a television series, uh, a TV movie, and uh, a series of uh, radio series. This is we're going to start with the first one. This first series starred Frank Lovejoy, and it appeared over ABC Radio. The series assumed the uh, time slot formerly held by Sherlock Holmes, which moved to another night, uh, on January 11th of 1947. Today's episode is the first episode of Murder and Mr. Malone. It comes from uh, May the 24th of 1947. It should be noted that like most radio lawyers uh, who are involved in mystery solving, Malone is not really seen in court that much. This much is similar to the books. And we'll discuss more differences and similarities in uh, a moment. But uh, let's go ahead and relax and uh, listen to the Paul Davis murder starring Frank Lovejoy as John J. Malone. Gilwine presents Murder and Mr. Malone. the office of John J. Malone. Murder and Mr. Malone, brought to you by Guild Wine. That's G-U-I-L-D, Guild Wine. You've read about John J. Malone in Craig Rice's best-selling mystery novel. You've seen him in her hit motion pictures. Now, for the first time, you can enjoy his... Adventures of Guild Wine bring you the adventures of fiction's most famous criminal lawyer in Murder and Mr. Malone. Malone is the name. John J. Malone, attorney and counselor at law. They say one of the qualifications of a good lawyer is a sense of humor. I wouldn't know about that. For example, I never could appreciate the humor of a certain Mr. Charles Morgan. Morgan was a big-time gambler in Chicago whose practical jokes I found a little too strong for my taste. And on this Saturday afternoon, Morgan and a beautiful blonde model named Linda Stevens were planning one of his best in a car parked in front of the Club 86 on Chicago's South Side. Now, you understand what you're supposed to do, Linda? I'm not too sure, Mr. Morgan. Well, what's the matter with you, anyway? Your agent told me you were a hep dame. Look, Mr. Morgan, I don't need a job that bad. Oh, I'm sorry, Linda. I didn't mean that. You see, I want to play a joke on this guy. I want to make sure it goes off the schedule. Well, the more I hear this joke, the less I like it. Well, I tell you, there's nothing to worry about. This fellow's a good friend of mine. Can I do something as silly thing? Just to settle a bet. He thinks he's a great little man with the ladies, and I bet him 50 bucks he was wrong. But, Mr. Morgan, you promised me a hundred for this job. How can you possibly win? You don't understand. It's not the money. It's the principle of the thing. Just want to make a sucker out of David. David? Yeah, his name's Paul Davis. He's a thin little guy with red hair and pop eyes. You won't have any trouble spotting him. He owns the joint. He'll be in the corner booth. 
Inspector, suppose your friend doesn't show any interest in me. You haven't taken a good look at yourself in the mirror lately, have you, baby? <sighs> I'm not at all worried. When David sees you, we'll start baying at the moon. But at the beginning, you want me to act in some. Right. That's so he shouldn't become suspicious. Then pour out and let him buy you a couple of drinks. And after that? Well, he'd probably want to take you out for the evening. You tell him first you have to make a stop at your apartment. I don't think I like that, Mr. Morgan. What's that or not like? Perfectly on the up and up. When you get to your place, I'll be waiting for you. And that's where you're going to tell Mr. Davis it's just a joke? Yeah. I can hardly wait to see him when he learns it's a gag. Why, I'll bet he'll practically die laughing. You were going to call me Paul. I'm sorry. Paul, do you know a man named... A man named who? Oh, forget it. <laughs> you know, I don't get you, Linda. When I first saw you in the club, I immediately said to myself, there's a dame with class. I was surprised when you gave me a double. Well, I... I don't often do things like that. It was an impulse, eh? Uh-huh. Yeah, I understand. I get them all the time. Huh? Where are we going now? Oh, it's this apartment right here. Oh, hey, hey, let me help you. No, it's all right. Hang back a minute. Well, come in. Uh, thanks. Hey. Nice layout you got here, Linda. <laughs> I, uh, think I'm gonna like this. I wouldn't bet on that, David. Uh, Morgan. Oh, then you do know each other. You dirty little double-crosser. Oh, no. He told me it was a joke. Well, the joke's over now, honey, so you can beat it. Now, see here, Mr. Morgan. I said beat it. If you're a smart girl, you keep your trap closed. Now, go on. Uh, listen, Morgan. Shut up. I don't want any conversation with you, David. Just want my dough. What dough? Don't Welsh. Yeah, hey, I'm kind of low, Morgan. I, I've been running a tough luck lately. Uh, from now on, it's going to get worse. You know, all the boys are laughing at me for letting you hang me up. Man in my position can't afford that, Davis. Might give other people ideas. Uh, uh, look, Morgan, I suppose I pay you a little at a time. What do you call a little? I can give you a ten grand now, and the balance... Take your hands down. I was just going to get my wallet. You got that dough on you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Latella. Oh, sure, sure. I was going to give it to you all the time. All right, Morgan. Get him up. Put away that gun, baby. At your age. <laughs> well, Mr. Morgan, who's the joker now? I guess it's me. And you're not fitting. That's okay, Davis. I'll see you again. Now lay yards. Next time you won't be this lucky. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. After Morgan goes to all that trouble, Davis pulls the gun on him and leaves him with his tongue hanging out. That's very amusing, Hudson. What happened after that? Oh, Morgan started looking for him again. What do you think will happen if he finds him this time? The same thing, Mr. Lyons. 
You don't believe Morgan will kill him? Uh, Morgan's all talk. You think so? I know so. I wouldn't last this long as a private dick if I wasn't a good judge of character. Take it from me, Mr. Lyons. It's all a bluff. That's too bad, Hudson. It would be worth a lot of money to me if it weren't. Oh? How much is, uh, is a lot of money? What's the difference? You're not interested. Try me. You're right, you're right. At that price, I'm not interested. It isn't worth more. Everybody knows that Morgan has threatened Davis. You're on absolutely no risk. Uh, What have you you got against Davis, anyway? That is none of your business. Either you want the job or you don't. Well, as long as you put it on that basis, Mr. Lyons, let me think it over. Take care of this pest. Yes. Listen, you, how would you like a good punch in the nose, eh? Oh! 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 You are listening to Murder and Mr. Malone. A presentation of Guild Wine. Ask any wine expert and he'll tell you this. No wine can be better than the grapes that go into it. And that's where Guild California Wine comes in. Guild Wine always starts from good grapes. Because Guild Wine is made by the men who grow their own grapes. After all, when a man grows grapes, knowing they're to be used in his own wine, isn't he likely to give them more care than the grower who sells his crop on the open market? It is more than 630 of these men, all growing grapes for their own wine, to be made in the guild wine cellars they all own together, who form the cooperative Wine Growers Guild. If you'd like to try their wine, ask for Guild Wine. It's made by the men who grow their own grapes. That's G-U-I-L-D, Guild Wine. Look for the big red man on the label. And now back to Guildwine's presentation of Murder and Mr. Malone. Well, as you probably guessed, Paul Davis never did complete that phone call. Thirty-five minutes later, he was on a slab in the morgue in the cops in Chicago were out looking for Charles Morgan. But apparently they weren't looking in the right places, but when I came home that afternoon, I found my door unlocked. No sooner had I opened it, than I was challenged with it. Andrew Malone? What the devil? Shut the door. Now listen, Morgan. What is You keep your hands right where they are. What are you doing here? I'm hot. I haven't you heard. That still doesn't answer my question. I don't see why not. I'm wanted for murder. You're the best lawyer in Chicago. Doesn't it add up? Not to my liking, Morgan. You better get somebody else. Listen, Malone. Maybe I haven't handled it right, but I didn't kill David. 
Now, why don't you tell that to the police? I don't think for a minute they believe me. Suppose I told you that I don't either. Listen, Malone, I know you don't like me. They give me credit for a little intelligence. I was going to knock off Davis, but I shoot my mouth off all over town. So? I'll tell you I didn't kill him. And who did? I have no idea. Okay, Morgan, I'll see what I can do for you. But first, I want you to surrender to the cops. Oh, no. And it's no deal. Now, wait a minute, Malone. I... I'll make you a proposition. I'm not interested. Oh, for Pete's sake, give me a chance, will you? Thought a man is presumed innocent until he's found guilty. You lawyers just say that because it sounds good. Well, we have I'm convinced with any luck you can clean this up in a couple of hours. If you haven't by then, I'll give myself up. What do you do in the meantime? Stay right here. Now, what's to prevent me from walking out and calling the police? Nothing. Oh, you, uh, just trust me, huh? That's right. Now, this is against my better judgment, Morgan. If you got yourself a lawyer. <laughs> This is Norma Davis. That's right. My name is John J. Malone. I'm sorry to bother you at a time like this, but I'd like to ask you some questions about your husband. I've told the police everything I know. I'm uh, working on a different angle. Come in. Thank you. Now, what is it you want to know? Have you any ideas who might have killed your husband? Yes. Charles Morgan. I mean besides Morgan. No. Paul didn't have an enemy in the world. But... You know, that's not true, Mrs. Davis. Your husband wasn't exactly the most popular citizen in Chicago. How dare you say that to well, me? I won't have... have you talk that way about him. I'm tired of these insinuations. What do you know of the kind of man Paul was? I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Go on, get out. Mrs. Davis. I don't want to hear any more about it. Leave me alone. Permit me to congratulate you, Norma. It was a marvelous performance. Thank you, Amy. You think I convinced Mr. Malone that I was a heartbroken widow? How could you help it when you practically convinced me? Come here, darling. Let me console you. Just a second. I'm looking for a guy named Hudson. Well, look no further, Mr. Morgan. You Hudson? That's right. One of my friends told me you want to see him. He told you right. Can't for a drink? Yeah, I can stand one. Yeah, help yourself. The bar's in the corner. Uh, pour me one while you're at it. Oh. You're in a bad spot, Morgan. Bring me up here to tell me that? Yeah. You see, I know who killed Paul Davis. What? Who yeah. That one, mine? Yeah. How, uh, how you fix the case? What do you mean? I got a lot of information he's selling me going to the highest bidder. You mean you can clear me? I'm not doing any more talking until I see the color of, uh, the color of your dough. How do I know you've got merchandise? Oh, I'll give you a sample. Did you know that Davis's wife was two-time in it? It's all. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all you get for free. But, uh, you can use that kind of stuff, won't you? Listen, Hudson, I want you to talk to Malone. Who? John Jay, he's representing Are you kidding? No. You talk to him? Oh, sure. Provided I can make a buck. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. I'm going back to Malone's apartment. I want you to call him there in about 45 minutes. 
Tell him what you told me about Mrs. Bates. Oh, no good, no good. Get the dough up first. Hello, I only got a grand on me. I'll give you another four the next time I see you. Okay, Morgan. You got yourself a deal. Morgan? Morgan! Vincent, this is Mr. Malone. There was a man waiting in my apartment. By any chance, never mind. Come in. Hello, Malone. I was just asking for you, Morgan. Where the devil have you been? Oh, that tells me a lot. I thought you agreed to stay right here. I know, but I had to see you. Oh. Suppose you tell me what you found out first. Well, not very much. Every lead I explored came back to you. You see Mrs. Davis? Yeah, just for a few minutes. What'd you think of her? She seemed all broken up over her husband's murder. It's kidding you, Malone. Makes you think so. Because I've been doing a little checking up on my own. She's been holding hands with some guy who wasn't her husband. Where did you get that from? Private Dick. Named Joe Hudson. Oh, that lying. I don't care what he is, Malone. He's got the evidence to clear me. Who did he say killed David? He wouldn't tell me. But I made a promise to talk to you. Did they call you any night? Morgan, I wouldn't trust that guy in a stack of Bibles. What did you give him? Yeah, a guy like Hudson doesn't talk to the free. What did you promise him? Five grand. Well, you better save your money. I think you can clear me, Malone. Yeah, it's probably him now. Hello. That you, Malone? Yeah, that's right, Hudson. I take it that you've talked to Morgan. Yeah. Well, what do you think? What I think is unimportant. Morgan tells me you can clear him. Sure. For a price. Oh, well, I'm not interested. You've got to talk to him, Malone. I don't like it, Morgan. Leave it to why, but it's just I can think. Well, make up your mind, boys. Okay, Hudson. We'll be over in an hour. You to let me handle Hudson Morgan and keep your mouth shut. You're the doctor. What's keeping? I don't know. Maybe one hour, huh? Oh, I doubt that. How can you tell? Take a peek at that keyhole. Can't see a thing? Yeah, because the key's still in the lock. That means Hudson's got to be in there. Hey, Hudson, open up! Hudson! All right, Morgan, give me a hand. Break it down. Shouldn't take too much effort either. Let's go. One more should do it. Steve. Hudson. Hudson. Where the devil is that light switch? Oh, he's coming around the door. Watch yourself, Morgan. Wait till I strike a match. I got it. There we are. Malone. Ah, yeah. Dead? Either that or asleep. And with that knife in his back, what do you think? You are listening to Murder and Mr. Malone. A presentation of Guild Wine. If you're planning a dessert bridge party, you want to serve something that, one, goes with sweet, two, has a luscious flavor, and three, appeals especially to women. Well, that something is Guild California Muscatel. For Guild Muscatel, one, tastes grand with all cookies, cakes, pies, and other sweets. Two, has the fruity flavor and aroma of the Muscat grape. And three, is such a favorite with women, it's known as the wine women like most. So, there you have it. 
Gilles Muscatel, the perfect wine for a dessert bridge. Beautiful, golden-hued, crushed from plump grapes that are grown right on the Guild members' own vineyards in California's sunny San Joaquin Valley. Remember that Guild Muscatel, G-U-I-L-D. Look for the big red man on the label. And now back to Guild Wine's presentation of Murder and Mr. Malone. Twenty minutes after we found the body of Joe Hudson, Lieutenant McGraw of Cook County Homicide arrived. You should have seen his face light up when he spied Morgan. He acted like a man who was prospecting for silver and found gold. It's a nice piece of work, Malone, a very nice piece of work. All right, Morgan, let's go. Hold it, Lieutenant. He's not the reason I called you. No, I know, but I'm not complaining. Told you not to call him, Malone. I'm beginning to think you're right, Morgan. For the same nickel, I could have phoned somebody with brains. Now, what kind of a crack's that? Well, in case you haven't noticed, Lieutenant, there's a body lying on that sofa. Yeah, it'll keep. But as long as you raise the point, why did you kill him, Morgan? Are you crazy? You just got here with Malone. Don't hand me that. It's the truth, McGraw. So you're going to be his alibi. Yes, and you better listen unless you want to look like a jerk and go to trial. Oh, yeah. How long would you say Hudson was dead? Not too long. The body's still warm. Could have been anywhere from 15 minutes to three quarters of an hour. Well, that lets more than us. But I don't see how. Because he was with me every minute from the time I got Hudson's call to the time we broke down the door. The whole business took at least an hour. Your word's not good enough, Malone. Okay, if you don't believe me, you can check with the switchboard at my place in the dorm and downstairs. Yeah, I'll do if that. If that's then. not enough, I'll dig up a hacker who drove us over. Now, that still doesn't mean Morgan couldn't have killed Davis. Oh, use your head, Lieutenant. You know both these murders were committed by the same party. Hudson knew who it was. That's why he was killed. I still say it was Morgan. Oh, you're crazy. Hudson was going to clear me. Be quiet, Morgan. All right, Lieutenant. I'll advise him to confess if you can show me one thing. What's that? How did he get in here? You can see the only door was locked from the inside. So what? He could have used the window. Oh, yeah? Well, oh, Bars on it. That's right, and nobody but a midget could fit through the open. Then there must be another door. Forget it, there isn't. Well, then it was a physical impossibility for anybody to have killed her. Yet it was done. How? I can't tell you, but maybe I can take you to the little lady who can. All right, now listen, Malone. If the DA ever finds out I let Morgan go, he'll have money. Wait a minute. Isn't this the house where Paul Davis lives? That's right, Lieutenant. Well, you can't bother his wife now. Why not? Because her husband was just murdered. Oh. Well, she may surprise you with what she knows about it. Morgan told me she was being romanced by some character. Who's I don't know. Apparently, neither did Davis. Yes, me, McGraw. I have a... Yes? Hello, Mrs. Davis. Remember me? Oh, not too pleasantly. Oh, maybe for me. I'm sorry, Mr. Malone. I'm busy. This gentleman would like to ask you a couple of questions. This gentleman means nothing in my own life. You never can tell. He's a lieutenant in the Cook County Police. Oh, okay. Well, it, it's just that the house is in such a mess. Well, we uh, promise not to stay. Who else is Norma? Norma! I, uh, I think you're being paid, baby. It's, uh, it's nothing, Raymond. Just for a moment, darling, I was... Uh... Hello, Lion. Malone. Lieutenant... I can explain everything. Sure you can, but suppose we do it downtown, huh? Downtown? It's customary, Mrs. Davis, when the police are questioning suspects. But we've done absolutely nothing. Nothing but murder your husband and a man named Joe Hudson. That's a lie. You deny that you and Lyons were busy in the romance department behind your husband's back? Yes. And what's Lyons doing here now? 
He's just taking me. Like he helped you murder Joe Hutton? No. Just a moment, Mr. Malone. I thought this gentleman was the officer of the law. Yeah, you're right, Lyons. But if you think my questions are going to be any less embarrassing, you're in for a bad shot. Joe Hudson was murdered at 10.45 tonight. Now, where were you at that time? It's normal. Here. That's right. Oh, now, that's what I call a wonderful alibi, Lieutenant. Too bad there wasn't anyone else around at the Thank you. Oh, but there was, Mr. Malone. A justice of the peace in Cicero. I think you may remember us. Why should it? Because I gave him a hundred dollars to perform the marriage ceremony that made Norma here, Mrs. Lyon. Doesn't make sense, McGraw. Hey, you watch where you're driving. I tell you, there's something screwy about that marriage. You saw the license. Doesn't it strike you as strange that within 12 hours after her husband is murdered, Mrs. Davis marries another man? Of course it does, but there's no law against it. As an attorney, you ought to know that better than anybody else. Yeah, but an alibi like that must have a hole in it. Yeah, well, you show me where. And after you do that, show me how either Mrs. Davis or Lyons could have murdered Hudson. If it was a physical impossibility for Morgan to kill him, it applies to them, too. Hold everything. Oh, what a chump I've been. Yeah, well, they say confession's good for the soul. I tell you, I got the answer to all of it, Lieutenant. On the level, Malone? Yeah, I know who killed Hudson. And with the help of Morgan, I'm going to prove it. I don't see what you're driving at tonight. I don't know anything about Mrs. Davis except what I told you before. Well, how did you discover she was being lying? I didn't know it was lying. All Hudson told me was with some man. Uh, how well did you know Hudson? I met him for the first time today. He got in touch with one of my friends and said he wanted to see Oh, well, let's uh, put this right back on. Oh, look, why don't we drop the whole business, Malone? Yeah, and you'd like that, wouldn't you? Sure. Hudson, no, now I couldn't have killed Hudson. That's where you're wrong, Morgan. You mean it's stupid? No, no, but I do. What are you bad I know how you managed it. Yeah, yeah it was pretty clever. I can't blame myself for not seeing you sooner. No wonder you insisted I go and see Hudson. Still waiting to hear you explain how I killed him. I'm saving that for the cops. Don't keep yourself, Malone. You've done all the talking you know it. Oh, put away that gun, Morgan. You don't think I'd be fool enough to come up here alone? Funny, I don't see anybody around. You're not looking in the right place. Get down, Malone. I'm warning you, Morgan. You better throw your gun in the middle of the road. You want it, Lieutenant? No. Watch it, Malone. He may be acting. Well, for that hole in the forehead, Lieutenant, it doesn't call for much ability. You can drop me off at the corner, Lieutenant. Well, it's, uh, Ben Graham. Hold it just a minute, Malone. I keep forgetting something. I got a report to make. Oh, it's happening. You are. Well, you know that Morgan killed David. Oh, sure. I was the first one to say so. <laughs> you should have stuck to your gun. Well, when you talked in all that razzle-dazzle about Hudson's murder, you kind of threw me. Uh, don't feel too badly, Lieutenant. I was right with you. Of course, I'm reconstructing now, but this is what must have happened. Lyons tried to hire Hudson to bump David. Hudson said he'd take it over. When Davis was killed, Hudson knew immediately that if he didn't do it, Morgan must have. Well, I don't see how that follows. It could have been Lyons. Oh, no. If Lyons were willing to do the job, why did he oppose Hudson in the first place? Oh, no. It had to be Morgan. When Hudson realized that, he tried to take down Morgan. He even told Morgan if the price were right, he might be induced to train Davis' wife. So, Morgan played along with him. 
Actually, get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. Now we'll come to the point I want to hear. Well, when Morgan went to meet Hudson, you know it would be the first of many such meetings unless he took steps. So, he, uh, took the mission to Hudson's drink. Well, why didn't he kill him then and there and be done with it, huh? Well, because he needed an alibi. And I was it. Now well, I don't get it. It's, uh, pretty simple. He needed someone with him while he murdered Hudson. Why? Yeah. Remember you said it was a physical impossibility for anyone to get into that room and kill Hudson before Morgan and I broke down the door? Yeah, I remember. Well, you hit the nail right on the head. It was a physical impossibility. So that means Hudson was killed while I was in the room. All right. Now let me get this straight, Morgan. You mean while you were hunting for that light switch? Morgan was hunting for a place to plant his mic. Wasn't he taking quite a chance there? Oh. Hudson was drugged. He couldn't make an outcry. A knife doesn't make any noise at all. Yeah. Well, that'll learn you. Now, the next time I say something, you'll listen. I told you, Morgan, was a killer all along, didn't I? Yeah, well, you'll have to forgive me, Lieutenant. I, uh, I've been hearing so many radio shows, I forgot it wasn't unconstitutional for a cop to be right. <laughs> Let's hope this is sandwiching some sort of a president. <laughs> protection money. He believes in freedom of enterprise. He learned the hard way that murder is a bad business. I'll fill you in on the details next week. Why not pick me up at my office the same time? I'll be waiting for you. Good night. Frank Lovejoy was starred as John J. Malone and appeared through the courtesy of Story Productions. Our program is directed by Bill Russo with music by Johnny Duffy. Murder and Mr. Malone is produced by Bernard L. Schubert. Now, this is Art Gilmore inviting you to tune in next week. The events and characters depicted in this story were entirely fictional. Any resemblance to actual places or people living or dead is entirely coincidental. Murder and Mr. Malone has come to you from Hollywood. And is presented by the Wine Growers Guild of Lodi, California. Yes, the name of the wine that tastes so fine is Welcome back. Well, Jack Webb uh, playing the role of a police lieutenant, and that was not as uncommon as one would think. Uh, We heard the name of Bill Russo on the credits, and uh, Russo also cast Webb as as either police or uh, a heavy uh, criminal in... uh, most episodes of the new adventures of Michael Shane, which he, uh, which he also produced. Um, the series definitely has some of that cynicism, and I, you kind of, I, I do appreciate the sort of, uh, deconstruction, uh, a little bit of the typical trope where the cop, uh, has it wrong. Um, 
and uh, definitely a nice twist, not one that you normally expect uh, on these shows. It's very rare for the police to uh, get it right. The big difference uh, that I noticed from the books is that, uh, as far as I could remember, no one, uh, not uh, and particularly not Malone, had anything uh, to drink. Uh, in the Malone books, uh, alcohol is really central uh, to the character. Um, anything going on, there will generally be a uh, proposal that uh, they go ahead and have a drink or several uh, on it as they try and solve the case. And I'm not uh, exaggerating. In one way, the, the series really did represent the sort of um, alcohol fantasies that people tended to indulge in for whatever reason after the end of Prohibition. Um, and it does not really carry over to the radio version, which I think is a good thing, because really the... Um, the whole um, alcohol um, uh, fantasy thing really is something that uh, that feels like it's uh, you know from the 1930s, and this is in the post-war era. It should be noted that I have read one of the post-war Malone books, and they did continue that, and I think it hurt the books. But the radio program, pretty good, solid, uh, hard-boiled action. And I like, too, how they managed to maintain this sense of mystery uh, over the story, even while they revealed uh, a whole lot of what was going on. So this was, I think, a pretty clever story. Fortunately, most of this series is uh, missing. Uh, in fact, there were a total of 66 episodes featuring Frank Lovejoy as John Malone. And we actually only have uh, two of those. Um, we'll hear, I'll talk a little bit about Frank Lovejoy next uh, episode before he's gone totally. Uh, but we will actually hear a grand total of four different actors uh, in the role of John J. Malone. Um, and uh, a lot of different productions. I think this will be an interesting run. So I hope that you will uh, be tuned in uh, next week for the next adventure of John J. Malone and our last episode we have with Frank Lovejoy in the role. Listener comments uh, from Lori says, uh, who writes uh, on Facebook, I'm really trying to buy the app to put on my Android phone, but can't seem to find it in the Google Play Store. So there's some secret uh, that I don't know. Um the answer, Lori, if, if you're curious about the app for Android, um, you can uh, get the app, but only through the Amazon App Store. And usually, if you don't have it, I have an Android device that didn't come with the Amazon App Store. I was able to go and download the um, uh, Amazon App Store through my main App Store, and so you're able to purchase it that way. So I hope that helps. Um and Lori was able to download that, and uh, I hope other listeners are able to enjoy that as well. Also, uh, Justin writes in, Adam, I want to thank you for introducing me to the Mr. Moto radio series. I've seen the Mr. Moto movies and read some of the books, but I've never heard of the radio show. Also, I wanted to know if you've read uh, the Robert Goldsboro Nero Wolf uh, books. Uh, once again, uh, thank you and keep up the good work. Well, Justin, I am working my way through the original um Wolf, um, Cannon, and after that, I'll uh, c 
uh, by Rex Stout, and I'll consider going over and reading all the Goldsboro books. Uh, the only one that um, I've read of Goldsboro was the latest, which was a, a prequel, Archie Meets Nero Wolf. And I was uh, somewhat disappointed in that, uh, to be honest, just because the voice of the character um, uh, really did not sound a whole lot like the Archie Goodwin I know. Now, it has to be said that Archie's 19 in the book, so he doesn't have this fully developed voice, but there's no sense of him being a smart aleck or even being a, a ladies' man. Uh, at all, even uh, some foreshadowing of the type of person uh, he was going to become. So uh, I was somewhat disappointed in that. Um, but uh, the rest of the wolf, of the Goldsboro Wolf books, um, without the uh, challenge of you know writing in and filling in backstory, I'll take a listen. I'll take a look at and see uh, what I think of it. Uh, as soon as I finish uh, the main Rex Stout Wolf uh, canon, and actually I only have um, I only have one book and about eleven pages of uh, another before I have finished all the Rex Stout Nero Wolf books. So I will certainly be sure to post some reviews when I, I get into the Goldsboro ones. All right, well that'll do it for today. In the meantime, uh, send your comments to Box Thirteen at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.